You've seen their TV shows. You've watched their webcasts. Now, Partigan and Stapes invite you to Poker in the Ears. Hello, my babies, and welcome to Poker in the Ears. I am Uncle Daddy Joe Stapleton. Here's my work wife, James Hardigan. And here we are communicating via screens once again, Joseph. Our, our work marriage is going to go through some tough times in the next uh, in the next little while. I'm I'm in London no more. I am L.A. Hopefully I'll be in L.A. most of the time you hear from me. I need some stability in my life. I have Coming to up. say, I used to, be, I used to recognize that background. I used to recognize your home arrangement, but it's been a while since you've actually been in your own home. It's been a long time, and I'm moving soon, too. But anyway, here we go. Coming up on today's show, Kevin Rob Martin. Ah, he's had a massive hot streak lately, even though we're going to get... Uh, we were going to get Neymar on the show. That's the big game <laughs> I was trying to get. I thought it was more important yeah. that we strike while the iron is hot. The Kevin Rob Martin iron flaming right now. He's going to be our guest on the show today. Uh, last week's show was so good with the whole Platinum Pass thing for Turga. Yeah, we, can we read it. some. Can we read some of the praise from social media? I printed off the best of Twitter just for you. Excellent. We don't do social media beefs anymore, so I want to do whatever the opposite of that is. Thank you. Uh, social played... media filet mignon? Chicken? I don't know. Uh, I played some live poker this week with Gilly, our former podcast uh, intern slash – I don't know what he did. He was on the show for like a week. But anyway, <laughs> he's our current newest TV producer. We had our office Christmas party, our office, our department Christmas party. Uh, me and Gilly went and played some poker. We'll recap the party, the ensuing bloodbath that ensued uh, after that on today's show. Uh, more bloodbathing in the online poker world uh, as I was trying to get it all in before I was relegated back to the land of the free here. For the foreseeable future, so we've got online and live poker to recap, and a fellow by the name of Simon Morrison. He is a super fan, and he has challenged me to trivia on the classic movie. Some like it hot. Did I like it hot? Did I hate it hot? I don't know, but I did watch the movie. Stay tuned. More on that chat later on. James, let's get to some of that social media praise. Obviously, I'm really pleased, by the way, that people really got behind this and people were thrilled for Turka Ryden saying, why didn't I get a platinum pass? Um, just want to read this. This was Enrique Gomez, who um, got in touch a couple of weeks ago. And you might remember that we had Maria Konnikova on the show and we referenced the fact that she brought up the subject of uh, Japanese tentacle porn during her yeah. human lie detector quiz. And Enrique Gomez tweeted... You just had to put it in there in a discussion about Japanese tentacle porn might be my favorite moment this podcast has ever had. He then tweets, after last week's episode, okay, I lied a couple of weeks ago. This last show had my favorite moment. Dropping that second pass was fucking gold. I didn't realize that you were referencing some other thing about the tentacle porn. I thought that that was just something you were into. No, this was something that... Bizarrely, Maria Konnikova had been looking at on her computer and felt the need to reveal to Daniel Negreanu in his capacity as the human lie detector. Uh, Christopher Bean, just listen to the latest poker in the ears and my little black heart has just had a warm, fuzzy feeling inside. Congratulations, Turka. Take it down, bro. Colin Bradley, another regular listener, tweets, holy shit. What yeah. a moment on poker in the ears. Thanks to you two. I am now a poker stars player for life. Can we please get this tweet in front of the senior management team? Thank you. Yeah, we need that one framed and, and mailed uh, via. How do they get messages to the Isle of Man these days? Is it still by Crow? They have a still by Raven. There's that really big pipe, remember, that runs between the islands? Oh, the tube, right. The tube. Uh, MBN says, what a fucking epic Supervan versus Stapes. The sound of pure joy. Matt C says, it was a great moment. Thought it was fantastic that you pulled out the stops to get a listener to the Bahamas. Sure, that was hard work for you, but effort was really appreciated. Just like the free rolls and the fun live streams. Thanks, guys. I appreciate you. Yeah, we appreciate you too. Uh, one tweet, Joe, not related to last week's show. Uh, okay. Christian Toms, former superfan, says, I'm seeing a lot of debate in the Twitter sphere over the issue of whether Die Hard is a Christmas film. Surely oh, this God. is something that Poker in the Ears was born to sort out. I love the tweet from Conan O'Brien on this very subject. He says, the world is divided between people who think Die Hard is a Christmas film and people who don't give a shit. And I'm kind of in that camp, I'm afraid. It's I'm over 
arguing about it. It's yeah. like such a cliche. It's like the new is a hot dog a sandwich argument. Like I, I don't really care anymore to argue this. I, no, it's not. Whatever you think is fine. Uh, just to be clear, the hot dog is not a sandwich. Die Hard is a Christmas film. End run. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm interested to know what happened because as Joe referenced, we did go out last week. Um, the guys who work on the TV shows and live streams here at Poke Stars, we had our Christmas lunch early so that we could invite Joe before he got shipped off back to the States. Thank you. And after we went to lunch, we went to this amazing place in London where they have like an indoor mini golf course. And yeah. I, and at that point, I then went home because I'm old and boring. But Joe and a few of the younger members of the team. Just one. Just one. Oh, really? I thought you were managing to get like a little gang together to go to now, the well, casino. You know, how it, you know how it is, is that, you know, no one's that young anymore that works for us. Even Gilly, who I still think of as like the kid is like, you know, in his late 20s now. Um, and I think that, you know, as the evening dragged on, a few people were like, you know, I just want to have a couple more drinks and go home. People just wanted to go home. So it was just me and Gilly who went. And uh, we went and played because uh, Gilly is a staff member at Poker Stars. He can't play at the Hippodrome. So we went to play at the Empire. And I do this thing when I play live poker. There's only a couple of things uh, because I'm not a very good poker player that make poker worth it for me. I got to have fun, right? Yeah. So uh, one is that I always get a massage. Which you also uh, sometimes do during a meal. If if it's available, yes. <laughs> I, will, I will pretty much never turn down a massage. Uh, and then two is that I try to just talk to the people at the table and, and have a good time. So uh, usually within the, the first orbit or so, I'll uh, also what makes it, guys, make me sound terrible, what makes it sound a little bit, uh, uh, makes it a little bit better. There's a few, uh, usually like one or two people will recognize me and will like chat me up. And that makes other people sort of interested to know what the heck they're talking to me about. So I usually go around the table being like, hey, I'm Joe. What's your name? Hey, Bob. Cool. Hey, what's your name? I'm Joe. Hey, Matt. Cool. And so I, whenever someone new comes to the table, I go, welcome to the table. I'm Joe and that's Bob and that's Rick and that's Matt. And that's, and I introduce everybody to the new person. Well, uh, I was doing that time and time again. And you see uh, that shit flies in America. You're in the UK, mate. Right. Well, it was doing just fine until eventually this guy sat down and was like, I'm not fucking giving you my name. <laughs> It, and he was this does not shock or surprise me yeah he was not having it at all so uh a couple and i do this for more more than one reason i do it because i want to have fun and i also do it because i think it loosens up people at the table too i think that especially uh playing one two one pound two pound or whatever it was one pound three pound um people can play a little tight and uh it's although we sat down at the table and as we're like waiting to get dealt in, there's this huge pot uh, and this dude shoves all in on the river uh, into about a three. He shows about 300 pounds into a 300 pound pot. And uh, the guy in the, I'm in the I'm in the eight or nine hole, whatever's the last seat. And the guy in the one hole is like thinking for a while, thinking he's in the tank. And finally he calls and the guy he calls like, you got it, mate. Ace high. And the guy who called goes, ace high is good. Wow. And I'm like, oh, man, I thought this was going to be a tight table, but we got fucking heroes over here calling with King High. And he goes, I didn't have King High. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, okay, maybe I don't have to loosen up this table. It was the guy going, well, Joe Staples at the table. This is where I really have to make that 10 high call and look like an absolute boss. Well, that's what I said. I was because he was the first guy that was like, oh, hey, Staples, what's up? How's it going? I was like, hey, man, you don't have to impress me. Like, don't. <laughs> Don't call it King High just to impress me. And he's like, that wasn't King High. Um, so uh, we're playing. And this guy who's refused to give me his name. Uh, and I end up getting in like a, basically, he's this old guy. He's toothless, uh, nearly toothless. And I play one hand against him. I like, th he's calling everything preflop. Like right. he's never folding preflop. And so I three bet him with ace queen. Totally missed the flop. But I bet flop. He calls. And I bet big on the turn. And he folds. I three bet it with ace king, totally missed the flop, bet the flop, he calls, bet huge on the turn, he folds. Uh, and then we're playing a third pot together, and uh, I three bet him. I don't remember what I had. All I know is that I I had uh, I king queen, and the flop came jack 10. And so I did the same thing. I bet the flop, he calls, I bet real big on the turn, and he goes, not fucking again. <laughs> 
and he and he slams down, slams down his chips for the call, and he's fucking mad. And I know at this point, I'm I'm never gonna bluff him off the no. head, no matter what he has. I'm never gonna bluff him. And so the river hits, and uh, and I missed. So I have no intention of like I I, I know I've lost the hand. I'm not gonna bluff, and I'm not gonna win at showdown. But what happens is he picks up his stack of chips and then reaches into the middle with them. He's got all his chips and it reaches in there with them. And right before he puts them down on the table, he pulls them back. Uh, and he's, and he's not doing it like in front of his stack. I mean, he's like reached into the middle of the table to do this. Right. Okay. And everyone at the table's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And I'm like, it's fine. It's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. And then he checks. And I don't even really, I'm like so confused by the whole thing. I just go to muck my hand and the dealer goes, no, no, no. You can show down for free. At which point he calls the floor on me. No, because I tried to muck my hand first. He's like, that hand is dead. That hand is dead. And everyone at the table's like, dude, seriously, come on. Like you just fucking made an unreal forward motion with your chip stack. And we all were like, it's cool. Don't worry about it. And now he like accidentally folded and you're not going to let him show his hand down. So the floor gets called over. And at this point, once the floor gets called, I'm not allowed to say it's okay. I was They have to make a ruling regardless. So now we go through the whole thing and I am in the wrong. Like I did push my cards toward the middle. So if somebody wanted to call that a dead hand. That's technically the rule. Like, that's God, fine. It would have been so much easier if they just forced him to bloody bet when he put his chips in. You could have folded and you could have moved on to the next bloody hand. And that's basically why I folded. I was still acting under the impression that he was moving all in. So I was like, you got it. You got it. But now we got to wait for the floor to come over. And just it was like one of these hilarious uh, situations where the guy literally bent the rules and then called me on it a second later. And I, I eventually got his name. It was Ted. His name okay. was Ted. So just to be clear here, what was the floor's final ruling? The floor's final ruling is that they let me table my hand. Right. Which was, which was losing, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. No, it was, it was King high. Uh, and he had a, he had bottom pair on the flop or something. He had like pair, a pair of sevens. It was like seven Jack 10 and a seven was good. Oh man. He should have, you should have shoved river. No, I think he's calling me. Just out of spite. Yeah, when he's like, oh, not again. I think he was just not going to get allow himself to get bluffed. I needed to hit something on the river. So, wow. Anyway, and, and I look, it was a fun night. Uh, even that moment was very fun. I ended up getting two massages because there was a really, really pretty massage girl. And then when she was done, another other really pretty massage girl walked in and I was like, yeah, well, why not? Let's go. So in Let's summary, and bear in mind that I want like the, the complete, if we consider your financial status to be entire bankroll here so yeah after any losses at the poker table combined with cost of massages combined with cost of drinks what was your net loss on the evening i think like 35 pounds that's not bad that's not bad. yeah so actually yeah, if good. you hadn't if you hadn't had the massages and the drinks you probably would have had a profitable session at the table yeah i probably would have about about 50 i'd say yeah yeah uh, and, and gilly he won gilly got stacked pretty early into it for about 200 and then uh I loaned him a couple hundred. He ended up cashing out for over six hundred. So nice. Uh, yeah, he did. And at really that do. point, you say, "Yeah, when I when I state you, it's fifty fifty. <laughs> right? Yeah. The old, the old. No, 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 that wasn't a loan. That was a stake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when he loses, no, 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 that wasn't a stake. That was a loan. But that's not the only poker I played. We got adventures in online poker coming up later. Yeah. Before that, let's get to the latest poker headlines. What's going on in poker today? Now it is time for poker in the ears news. And I don't like it when we have bad news in this section of the show. But very sadly, in the last 24 hours, we learned that Thor Hansen has died at the age of 71 after a long battle against cancer. A player who was well-respected and incredibly well-liked, known as the godfather of Norwegian poker. I'm sure you remember, Joe, that we were in Barcelona a few years ago when we learned that Thor had been having this battle against cancer. The picture didn't look good, but he fought. And that was like five years ago. So he kept going to this point. Um, and there have been some amazing tributes written 
both on social media and on various poker news sites since this news emerged. And I would recommend that people read the tribute that Stephen Bartley wrote for the PokerStars blog uh, as someone who's followed Thor on the European Poker Tour pretty much from the original season and relives those stories of the huge icon he became on the Scandinavian poker scene, the fact that he was one of the first Europeans to go over to Vegas and play the World Series in the 80s. He won a bracelet. He became friends with Larry Flint. He backed Stu Unger back in the day. There are so many Thor Hansen stories and a huge loss to the poker world. Yeah, obviously very sad that we've uh, we've lost Thor, but what I will say is that Thor really lived is what it seemed like to me. And, uh, you know, it's a life that should be celebrated probably rather than, you know, I don't think he would want people to be super sad. And I, I think it's okay that we can say that given the prognosis we heard many years ago, the fact yeah. that he uh, stuck around for so long is something that we should look at as a positive rather than a negative. Absolutely. Also, uh, the, the, the greatest poker quote of all time, as far as I'm concerned, the, the rest are going to have to wait. Yes. Um, which it, is it, quoted you, you, in Stephen's blog article, by the way. So if okay. you read that, that line's okay, in there perfect. if you've never heard that it is, before. That is, in my opinion, the all-time greatest poker quote. So go read it. Uh, meanwhile, here in the United Kingdom, Jamie Staples organized a meetup for his community uh, with a poker game in Birmingham. And Spraggy turned up. I don't know whether he was trolling or whether he just wanted to muscle in on Jamie's fan base. But to cut a long story short, Spraggy won the tournament. So I'm hoping that more details wow. on this will emerge in the next 24 hours. In the meantime, uh, we want to talk about another PokerStars ambassador who's had a lot of success. And that man is Kevin Rob Martin, who is on a ludicrous hot streak. We spoke last week, Joe, about Finton's online success. Meanwhile... Kevin Rob Martin's had a lot of live success. He's killing it, crushing it. Absolutely. So we wanted to get him back on the show. So please welcome back to Poker in the Ears, making his second appearance on the podcast, Mr. Kevin Martin. It's Poker in the Ears. It's Poker in the Ears. I love it. It's Poker in the Ears with the boys. This is your radio wow. background coming through, Kevin. This is the <laughs> D inner DJ being channeled. And actually, I want to mention this. The last time we had you on this show... Uh, it was about 18 months ago. You just won uh, Big Brother in Canada. We talked about your background in radio, and I never even realized that you have the perfect radio DJ slash hairdresser name because you've got two first names, Kevin Martin. I have to say, I do think you're taking it too far with the Rob in the middle. Having three first names as your name is at least one first name too many. Yeah, definitely, definitely greedy for sure. You can blame my parents for that. Um, yeah, it just rolls off the tongue though. It is a perfect like fake, you know, radio DJ. Eighteen months ago, I can't believe it. I'm remember, I'm remembering now. I was in uh, probably a wild mental state after being in the Big Brother house and talking to you boys right away. But I do remember. It's nice to be back. A lot has happened the last eighteen months. Yeah, yeah, good to see you guys for sure. Well the reason why we wanted to talk to you now specifically is because last time we talked to you, you were kind of on a bit of a hot streak. You'd won some money. Now you're on a bit of a hot streak and you've won some money. Yes, this is true. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how else to say it, but like this live run of is just savage. Joe, it's, it's unbelievable. It, it, it's truly amazing. Um, just to sum it up a little bit, I, I just uh, took down the tournament yesterday here in Calgary <laughs> for number Wait, wait, four. yesterday? No, 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 no. Couple days ago, like three okay, days. yeah, number four on the year though, which is unbelievable considering I haven't played like a ton of live poker this this uh, this year either, and it's been crazy. I've ran good at the right moments. Obviously, I, I think I'm putting a lot of hard work in behind the scenes and making some good decisions overall. But truly, it's kind of spooky. You know, you you guys have seen the Truman Show, obviously. Yep. I have had moments during this live poker run where it's just I truly feel like you know you can yell cut actors can come out like show <laughs> the gigs up you know if someone wants to admit it because it, it's it's been that level of like you know the, the one tournament i won seven flips in a row the next tournament the way i coolered people in and got the chip lead near the final table like it almost seems uh in my favor but i'm enjoying it you know I, dark times will come in poker and especially in tournaments when when uh, when runs and wins happen like this you have to be grateful for it so uh, I know it is unsustainable, but I'm enjoying the hell of it while, while I can. I'm going to say that it's your big brother history, having appeared on that show twice, that's making you paranoid about the fact that cameras are on you 24-7. 
Maybe that's it. Maybe that is it. Yeah, dude. I had whatever camera phobia is. I had it after after doing that show twice. Obviously, an amazing experience. Like Big Brother was some of the best moments of my life. But the camera phobia was real. That was a bizarre and weird experience for sure. What do you mean by that, Joe? It's weird. I mean, being in a house with cameras at you twenty four seven is is bizarre, and like you truly lose all sense of uh, what's the word institutionalized. Like when you know when you're in a setting that's not real for super long, but that becomes your reality. Like, uh, yeah, it was, it was very bizarre. Like after, for example, I went to a restaurant after big brother and I just stood up and, and, you know, left and I was like, Oh wait, I have to exchange a form of currency to pay for my meal. Oh yeah. This is something that humans do. <laughs> so this is something I haven't done in three months. Cause you know, in big brother, they just put food in your fridge and, and that's it. And yeah, little instances like that, you had to, I had to get back into reality. So that was pretty trippy. Well, do you think that you will have to uh, go back to reality off of all these poker wins? Do you think there'll be a, a come down from that? There has to be, dude. Like, I, like I, I've got to win. I've been winning like 70% of flips. You know, again, like I've said, when I've got it in behind, I've won in big moments. So there will be a reality that I'm not going to win every all-in playing live poker. But uh, until that happens, uh, again, I'm enjoying it. It's been really, really nice. In anticipation of this interview, Kevin, I was doing a little bit of research, emphasis on the word little, and I think I may have pinpointed when the run good began. And it was when we did that Showtime stream back in the summer, and you pulled off a brutal, for brutal read, brilliantly entertaining slow roll against Spraggy, who then, of course, tagged you in the notes as a slow roller. And most people feel that when you do something like that, it brings bad karma. I think you've proved otherwise. <laughs> and I actually think that slow rolling Spraggy may just be the ultimate key to poker success. That actually might be it. That might be it. I, I'm a big fan of the slow roll in certain situations. I always talk to my Twitch stream and I say, if you guys ever have the opportunity, everyone has full permission to slow roll me. That goes on to you guys as well. I think it's a good, <laughs> like, it's, it's a good little, like, oh man, you know, just. It hurts the mental state, but it also tests a little bit. That's amazing. Man, Spraggy was so hurt about that. He still brings this up. It was a true <laughs> betrayal. Like, I, he's been known to complain about a thing once in a while, but he really hung on to this this uh, Showtime slow roll. And you're right. That's when it started for me. So uh, do bad things to Spraggy, and good things will come to you. Well, this is officially I, the poker news segment of the show. So run through those results, Kevin, without bragging because we give you permission to rattle off these results tell us about what you've done in the last six months cool yeah i guess the start of the start of pca got second in a 1k for thirty-nine thousand dollars. then uh main event here in calgary we took it down for thirty-seven thousand dollars. literally the next tournament i registered i won the 1k for twenty-seven thousand dollars. took a couple weeks off played the deerfoot main event in calgary amazing series Won the main event for $49,000. <laughs> Went to Reno. Running up Reno. Got second in the main event there for $49,000 US dollars. Took a week off. Came back here in Calgary. Final table. The next event out of 500 runners. Got fifth. <laughs> Two days later. Played the six max. Got first out of 160. <laughs> like it's kind of, it's stupid, man. It's really stupid. And I'm, I'm super proud of myself and the hard work I've put in. Uh, yeah, man, four wins. We've had two runner-ups and something like, you know, nine or ten final tables. So it's been amazing. I, uh, I'm wondering that if, you know, you had basically you, you had a, a big uh, a big score in the Bahamas, obviously. That's in January. And then how long was it until the next one? You said it was very, very shortly afterward. Uh, no, there's a bit of a break. I really, really buckled down, played played a lot on PokerStars, made sure my game was sharp, and then played more live this summer. So I guess it was uh, halfway through June, probably. So there's a bit of a break from January to June. Post the Showtime stream. Right. Yep, that's it. Like, that's where it kicked off. I guess things have been like sort of evenly spread out throughout the year and then a little bit more concentrated here toward the end. I'm just wondering that like when I'm in a tournament, right, and I get down to like one-tenth of my starting stack there's no part of my brain that's like oh well i can still come back and win this i'm like this is over and i'm just wondering if you have maybe that same feeling by october of this year being like well i guess that's all i'm going to do for this year yeah. or if you know in your head that you can still easily win not easily but it's still quite possible to win four more tournaments throughout the course of the next two months 
I mean, I believe in myself, but whenever I register a tournament, like mentally, I'm a very optimistic person. But for for poker, I think it's actually kind of cool to say, you know, I'm going to play my best, but expect the worst. Every time I get all in in live poker, I do this weird thing in my brain where I say, okay, I'm going to lose this pot. What is my response going to be after? It's like, okay, I'm going to lose this flip. So then 15 big blinds, you know, mentally I prepare for the worst. I prepare to lose every all in. And then, you know, when I win, it's actually kind of a nice thing. It's a little mental trick uh, that I've learned from my coach. But yeah, dude, like three tournaments ago, I was like, it's, it's got to end, you know, but it just didn't. <laughs> it's funny because my girlfriend, um, my girlfriend has like, she comes and supports every live final table. Every time I get down to the final, you know, 15, she comes and cheers me on. And I'm like, Peels, do you know this isn't normal? And she's like, what do you mean? You win <laughs> like, like I've done, I'm trying to warn her that this is going to end because uh, through a small sample size, I think she thinks, you know, I'm just going to win every one. But um, yeah, dude, it's got to end maybe. But uh, who knows? PSPC coming up. I'm going to play the 25K. Uh, it's to be the biggest buy-in ever. You know, maybe I can carry some momentum into that and in the PCA main. So, so we're dipping into the bankroll a little bit and going to take some bigger shots and might as well push it at a moment while while we have a lot of confidence. That's what I was going to ask, Kevin. When the PSPC was announced, when you first heard about it, did you have the intention to play? Or is this a recent decision based on the results you racked up in 2018? I mean, I knew it would be a special tournament and that it would be big. And I, I, I had it in my mind that I wanted to play, but this recent run has made it a 100%. Yeah. I, I will find a way to play for sure. It's just like an automatic. Um, yeah, PokerStars has done great in terms of hyping this tournament up. And like there's the WSCP main event and stuff, but there's, cer there's certainly a special aura around this tournament. Whoever wins this one will, will be remembered for a long time. So hopefully it's me. What are your poker plans as far as stakes are concerned? I'm, you know, obviously the 25K is a bit of a one-off that you you may have played it regardless of your re recent win streak. Um, you know, as far as the tournaments that we cover, the sorts of scores you're having are sort of like middle of the road for you know mm -hmm. the, the sorts of crowd that we run with. Do you have plans to move up in stakes anytime soon? For sure. I mean, I still have to get a lot better. I'm, I'm fully aware that my game still has lots of problems and stuff. So this recent run has just, you know, wanted me to get even better and find more information. So I'm spending a ton of time in the lab these days and working really, really hard. Yeah, we'll take the shot. I mean, the 25K and the 10K at the PCA are the next steps. Then who knows? Maybe a 10K in Vegas and, you know, WSCP main event. So I could definitely see my buy-ins raising over the next year for sure. Obviously, all these 1Ks and these 2Ks and these scores are really, really good. But I I really want that six-figure score. I really want to make it happen. I just, the main event here in Calgary, it was a $2,500 buy-in. I got 44th, and it was like 220 k for first. And I, uh, I, I feel like I'm going to have that six-figure six score if I, I keep putting myself in that situation. So the buy-ins are definitely going to go up. I think uh, I'm young. If I'm ever going to take a shot at this and, and really, really put a lot of money into poker, now is the time. You know, I could have a family in four to five years. So if I'm, if I'm ever going to make a run at something special, the time is now. So I'm going to try. Oh, my God. I have like seven follow-up questions from all the things you just said there. One of them is that uh, you know that if you're looking for a six-figure score that, you know, the PSPC, you don't even have to final table that probably for that to happen. Yeah. The min cash has got to be, what, 50K? I think it's probably going to be in the region of 30 to 35. I think the whole idea is the min cash will be slightly smaller than you would normally get in a 25K because of the fact that there are more than 300 qualifiers who are literally free rolling. And any, sure. any return is going to be pure profit to them. That's going to be a savage bubble situation. If you can have a big stack in that situation, oh, that, yeah. that 32K cash is going to mean a lot of people. Oh, that would be a dream situation to have a big stack there. Um, yeah, that'll be a savage bubble for sure. What's going to be up top of that one? Seven million, eight million? I mean, at least five. It depends on the field. I think if there is a field of around 750, 800, which at this point I think is probably quite a conservative estimate, but let's also be cynical slash realistic. But even with 800 players, yeah, I think you're looking at four or five million because remember, there's a million added on top of whatever's in the prize pool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, gotta gotta play this tournament. Personally, I've talked to a lot of people here in my local scene in Calgary, and like a lot of people are gonna go down and play this. So wow. I, I wouldn't be surprised if if the numbers were a little bit bigger than than we're anticipating. But do they um, know you're playing, Kevin? Because surely that will put them <laughs> off, seeing as you completely dominate and crush the Calgary poker scene. I have done well, yeah. It's been fun. Obviously, people are super happy with me, but you know, there's a there's a couple regs that have been involved for you know seven plus years, and and they're not really that happy. They're like the the first one was great, 
the second one, you're like, well done. And then by the time we got to the third and the fourth and the fifth final table, they're like, all right, all I'm right. Someone sure needs to end this kid. They are very supportive to your face, but behind your back, they're saying, when is this guy going to go back to bloody Twitch and stream online poker again? <laughs> exactly. It's kind of been like when I first started playing poker in 2000, uh, you know, you know, 16 and really started taking this seriously. The, the common perception was like, wow, this guy really sucks. And it's true. I really, really was bad. And the common perception now is like, wow, this guy is such a luck box. So we try <laughs> like, hey, that's that's better. I'll take that. That's an improvement. That's a compliment to how much work I put in. But. Uh, no, I, in general, people are super, super friendly and super happy. So uh, my, my next follow-up question, sorry from that, uh, Rob, is when you go on and maybe like take a shot at a 10K, what kind of expectations do you have of yourself? Because obviously that sample size is not very big. Uh, and how would you recommend that people approach this? You can't take like one shot at a 10K and automatically decide, yes, I'm doing these forever or no, I'm never doing that ever again, right? For sure. I mean, as long as you have the disposable income, I think – Playing aggressively and buying into big tournaments is perfectly fine. There's something to be said for like bankroll management and stuff, but if you if you have disposable income, like take a shot for sure. And it's just a tournament, man. The the, the amount of buying, obviously, if we're playing in 10k, I think it's going to be more skilled, and you're going to have to battle, and you know you're going to have to play a lot higher level of competition. But the same tournament structure exists. You're there to win every chip. The only way to win the tournament is accumulating every single chip in play. And I really try to play a tournament strategy with no fear and take light spots. And you know what? If I'm in for three bullets, like we are in a lot of these other games, that's just life. But um, with the style that I'm learning from my coaches and stuff, we're going to fire lots of bullets. But at the same time, when we get to the final table. We'll have the chip lead a high percentage of the time. So I love the tournament style that I've been learning, which is just no fear. You know, gas pedal on the floor 24-7. It's a really fun, crazy, wow. almost kamikaze style to play. I am going to guess at Joe's next follow-up question, which was related to your comment, Kevin, about potentially having a family <laughs> in four to five years. Because this has been the year of the ambassadors being married off. Lex got engaged. Selena and Randy got engaged. Jamie got engaged. Finton got engaged. Are you planning to follow in their footsteps? Uh, Jeff is having a baby too. Like everything's happening. Uh, you know, team on team poker stars. Uh, it's going to happen. Probably not as soon as people think everyone's going to, everyone thinks I'm going to pop the question to Plur. You know, it will happen very soon here, but probably three to four years is the timeline. Not in any rush. I like it. The man's got a plan. Yeah, that's yeah. and that's wise as well to because uh, I would be kind of I'm not gonna lie like I'm a little jealous of the attention everyone's getting from from proposing to their girlfriend. Oh, like, Joe, I got when there's when there's a bandwagon, you are the first to jump on board. Well, I'm usually the last. I'm usually <laughs> the last to jump on board, which usually spills the bandwagon out into uh, <laughs> out into the street. Uh, Rob, this live success has streaming suffered? Uh, no, I mean we've had some awesome streams lately. Um, it's been really, really exciting. Obviously, there hasn't been as many as as I would have liked because I've been playing a decent amount of live. No, my community's super hyped. I'm peaking in subscribers on our channel. It, it's super, super, super. People are super happy for me on Twitch. They see the progression. They see me taking, you know, new styles of poker and learning. So my my community on Twitch is stronger than ever, and like my viewers are higher than ever, and I'm super supportive of that. That well, maybe I'm not going to be live you know, six days a week, like I used to sometimes that when I am live my three or four days a week, people are there to watch and support. So no, the stream is strong and alive. While we're talking streaming, I have a confession to make when you were heads up at run it up Reno. Uh, it was early hours of the morning in the UK, kind of the office was just opening up. The workday was just beginning. And I saw the tweet, you know, Kevin Martin from team online heads up at run it up Reno. And as soon as I fired up the stream, literally it was the final hand, which saw oh, you defeated. No. I'm like, Oh, Oh my god i boxed kevin martin why did i click play <laughs> at that point that's all good obviously I, that was it because we didn't make a deal either it was a twenty-two thousand dollar heads up match and um while there are edges heads up you know we're playing 25 big blinds deep it's, it's a slight edge to a coin flip he was a really good player um i was actually really proud of a fold i made in that heads up match where i folded uh, a hero folded the bottom end of a straight on a two three four five board i had the ace and he shoved the river, and I just said, I think he has a six. So we hero-folded. Turns out we were correct. He did have a six. So that looked pretty cool. It's nice to be right. You know, when you're making a hero play like that, you're either a genius or you look like an idiot. Yeah. Thankfully, we were right that time. Um, so, yeah, massive heads up. That was a pretty crazy story. I that, So the guy named – his name was Matt Stout. He's a savage poker player. He had a pregnant wife in the tournament. I knocked her out earlier. I crippled her in a huge <laughs> hand. So I, no, I knocked her. She was so sweet. Her name was Brittany. Eight months pregnant, you know. Um, I knocked her out, and then like the husband came back. 
fiance and, and got me in the heads up match for the revenge. So that was a pretty cool little story for Matt. He was a savage player. Would have been nice to win that heads up match though. That is a nice That's story. A kid. When you told that hand history that Kevin, this is the weird thing, Joe. I now hear your voice in my head so often when I'm thinking about poker of your regular advice, your regular analysis and strategy. And when Kevin talks about him shoving the river, I'm just hearing Joe Stapleton going, they always have it. <laughs> <laughs> they sometimes always have it. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. That's the line. That's good, man. I mean, I'm in your mind. I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, Kevin, uh, one last question before we move on to uh, one of my horrible games. Uh, your, your stock is higher than ever. You're firing all cylinders. You're streaming. You're winning live tournaments. What if Big Brother comes to you and says, we want to put you back in for another season? I think my brief reality television career is retired. I, I can't see myself going back. Uh, while I enjoyed the experience, um, yeah, first of all, Joe, I think there's other characters they would choose. I kind of gave them you know, the production, a little bit of a hard time in my second go around. Uh, so I know we have a good relationship, <laughs> but, you know, I, I definitely fought with them a tiny bit. We, we like each other. Love-hate relationship, I'm sure. No, man, I'm just – there's too much going on. I can't see myself – it depends on, on the offer and the situation. But um, Big Brother, I, I, as soon as I won my second time, I said, that's it. Retired experience is amazing. A couple other shows, though, you know, that are kind of interesting, like – Canadians can now apply for Survivor. That's pretty interesting. Also, uh, you know, the Amazing Race would be kind of fun. But I think my Big Brother career is over. Okay, who would you choose for your Amazing Race partner? Uh, Pilar, my girlfriend. If not, one of my brothers. If not, I got a couple poker buddies. That's probably my roster. Man, all right. I want to get on that list. All right, let's play a game here. Let's do it. Kevin, Rob, Martin, you're on... At this point, I think you got other bigger ones in you, but uh, you're on the sickest heater of your life. So we're going to play a game called Coming to a Heater Near You. And Ooh. it is a trivia quiz about heat heaters and heating. Are you ready? Let's do it. All <laughs> what, right, question. What, it's a trivia quiz about heating devices? Correct, but don't worry. It's multiple choice. Okay, awesome. Question number one. The unit of measurement for the strength of a heater is often represented in BTUs. What does BTU stand for? Is it British Thermal Unit, Boscon Temperature Unit, Bolex Thermometer Unit, or the Bolton Tango Unit? Wow. Uh, BTUs. It's got to be A. A is correct. The British Thermal Unit. All right. Yeah. He's on the board. I love the fact that you threw in the Bolex Thermometer Unit. <laughs> question, question two. According to a 2013 study by the Consumer Product Safety Commission, how many residential fires are started in the U.S. by space heaters? What's a space a heater? It, a space heater is like a little electric heater that you just plug in. Oh, right. Okay, yeah. What do you call them? Just plug in electric heaters. Maybe they're called space heaters, and I've just never heard that. Okay. Uh, anyway, how many fires in the U.S. every year are started by space heaters? Is it 25,000, 30,000, 40,000, or 75,000? Mmm, it's a lot. It's a lot. Of, ooh, all those numbers are kind of close. Um, I'm going to go with C, 40,000. 40,000 is a little high. I made this one pretty tough. It was 25,000. 25,000 fires a year started by people plugging in their space heaters and burning wow. their houses down. That's less than I thought. Less than I thought. I thought a lot more people are burning their houses down. But you're probably thinking worldwide. Okay. No, yeah. I was thinking America, and I was thinking 75K. <laughs> that was my next option. It was either you know, 40,000 or 75,000, but damn, Americans are safer than I thought, I guess. We're pretty dumb. Question number three. The USA Aspen Electric Portable Fireplace Stove Space Heater, sold on Amazon and other retailers, is made by which company? Is it A-Flame, E-Flame, C-Flame, or We Are Flamers? <laughs> <laughs> it would be amazing if that last one was correct. Okay, all right, we're gonna go. Um, we're gonna go B. Final answer. B is correct. E flame yes. is correct. Two for three, Kevin Rob Martin. Here we go. I really Complete. wanted to run the board here, and, and you know, I, I hope these your quizzes in very high regard, Joe. These are important tests of the human spirit. So the fact that I'm two for <laughs> is a little upsetting, but we'll see if we can respond. Dude. The number question was a tough one. Uh, question number four. Complete this quote from the movie Major League. Forget the blank, Ricky. 
give him the heater. Is it forget the fancy stuff, forget the chicken shit, forget the knuckler, forget the curveball? Um. Wow. Okay. Um. I think. I don't think it's going to be the knuckler or the curveball. We'll crap cross those out. What are options A and B again, Joe? Here. Fancy stuff and chicken shit. Yeah, I think it's forget the fancy stuff. Give him the heater. Unfortunately, you eliminated oh. the correct answer. Curveball. Forget oh. the curveball, Ricky. Give him the heater. Nice. The fact that that was a, that was tricky. Here we go. Question number five. The well-known cult classic but never commissioned pilot, Heat Vision and Jack, stars Jack Black as a rogue NASA scientist with a talking motorcycle played by Owen Wilson. In the show, the characters are being hunted by which actor who plays himself? I have never heard of this. No, it, was, this it, was, it was a TV show that was never... The, the pilot was made, but it was never picked up. And um, Jack Black plays a guy who knows everything in the world, except for when it's nighttime. <laughs> and uh, his like his his like catchphrase is like knowledge is power for real. Um, and they are hunted by uh, an actor playing himself. Is that actor Lou Diamond Phillips, Russell Crowe, Ron Silver or Ron Jeremy? Oh. All right. I think we're looking at B, final answer. Russell Crowe is incorrect. Ron Silver plays himself. Question number six. Two to go. Here we go. In uh -oh. 1950s slang, what does the word heater mean? Is it A, cop car, B, a pistol, C, a cigarette lighter, or D, a jukebox? I think it's jukebox. That sounds familiar. Jukebox incorrect. It's a gun. It's a pistol. Oh man, the score is getting ugly. We oh no, this pack is falling apart. Never heard of packing heat, Kevin. No, I thought it was like you you, know, you turn on the heater, like the jukebox at the bar. You get on the <laughs> dance floor. Get get things heated up at the bar. Rob, the Rob thought that when you're when you're packing heat, that meant you had a jukebox in your pocket, <laughs> <laughs> which you can these days with uh, MP3 player. Yeah. <laughs> With my Zune. Exactly. Uh, question, question number seven. Here we go, Rob. Last chance to redeem yourself. I don't think you'll know this off the top of your head. You're going to have to get lucky on the choices. Because I couldn't come up with any more questions about heaters, here's a question about the show Cheaters. Which of the show's hosts was stabbed on camera? Was it A, Tommy Habib, B, Joey Greckle, C, Clark James Gable, or D, Gary Turnbuckle? Oh, I remember this. No, I don't. Um, <laughs> B. It's got to be B. Come on. B. Joey Greco is correct. Well Yay. done. A little bit of redemption at the end after Woo. a painful run of incorrect answers there. We <laughs> went out on a high. Kevin, Rob, Martin, Stewart, Paul, David, Daniel, thank you very much for making a return appearance to the podcast. Always good to speak to you, sir. Amazing. Let's do this in 18 months. <laughs> that's, that's, of that's, a bracelet, hopefully. Just kidding. I mean, you know. look, in, in one month, we're going to have to interview you if you win the PSPC. So we can wait. do that. Incredible to battle against some legends, the free roll winners and stuff. I'm super excited. Best poker event of the year is coming up. So good times, man. You guys are amazing. Thank you, gentlemen. And uh, may this heater never end. Hopefully. Absolutely. We'll see you in the Bahamas in the new year. Until then, have a great Christmas and New Year. Happy holidays as well. You guys are the best, okay? We'll talk soon. Poker in the ears. Adventures in online poker. Yeah, so I was trying to get all the poker I could before I left England. And uh, I thought about uh, playing the Sunday Million on Sunday, but we had uh, a birthday party to go to that day in the afternoon, and I wasn't sure that I'd be up for it. Then we had to prep a show Sunday night, and I wasn't sure that I wanted to be up all night. What time does the Sunday Million end at this point? Normally, the yeah, we're talking early hours, but in the UK time, you're talking 4 yeah. or 5 a.m. Yeah, I wasn't sure I wanted to be up that late before our last day of VO uh, for a while either. So I got home Friday night from doing a stand-up gig and I didn't have anything to do Saturday. So I was like, you know what? 
let's just jump online. I was definitely not sober. Let's see what the deal is. And I hop into like a, like a $109 PKO, $127. I don't remember what it was, something in that range. And I thought to myself, hey, this way, even if I don't win the whole thing, I can win a couple of bucks, uh, you know, just along the way. And I, I sit down at the online felt and I don't know how things worked out, but I managed to bust two people on the first hand. Nice. And this was late. This was like late reg, like almost over. So I must have found two players who had just run their stacks down recently uh, that someone else had done the hard work and I've knocked them both out on the first hand. So I, I ended up winning like $170 immediately, like on the first hand. So I'm like, yeah, like I'm in, I'm in for this PKO. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. And I played for about an hour, no more knockouts. And then I lost a flip and I was like, okay, good night. It's you talk about busting players, by the way. I just remembered someone's analysis of your play on the Twitch stream because with our free rolls, which were progressive KOs, you had this patented thing where if you wanted to put someone all in, you would leave them with a chip and a chair, which, yes. as someone pointed out, is the worst thing you can do <laughs> in a progressive KO because you want that bounty. You want to actually be the one to eliminate them. You don't leave them with a chip because then someone else knocks them out and gets the prize. It's also a terrible strategy when you only ever do that when you have it. Yes. I literally 100% of the time had it when I would do that. Anyway, I did not play this PKO that way. Good. Uh, so I, I lose like an ace-king versus queen's flip, and I'm pissed off when I go to bed. So then I wake up the next day, and I'm like, I have nothing to do today except for a stand-up gig later tonight. We didn't have a show to prep yet. It was just a Saturday, and I was like, I'm going to register for all of the PKOs that are happening right now or in the next few hours. I registered for six of them. <laughs> I got zero bounties and one zero all-ins. I lost, including from the night before, I lost seven all-in flips in a row. No I'm matter which side of it I was on, ace-king, lose to tens. Ace-queen, lose to sevens. Pocket sevens, lose to ace-nine. Queens, lose to ace-king. Ace-king, lose to queens. Seven in a row. I'm going to say, based on the sample size you've just described and the aforementioned PKO free rolls that we ran during our league recently, this might not be the poker format for you. I don't know, man. I think poker is not the poker format for me. <laughs> I think that anything that involves... I just flip so fucking bad. I won zero of seven flips. And the thing is, I don't flip that often. Like, I'm pretty good at not being all in. Okay, I so want to set you a challenge, Joe. I appreciate that you are not going to get to play a lot of online poker moving forward. So I guess it's going to be monitoring the live game or when you do get to play online. From now on, I want you to record every single flip you're involved in because I want to test whether this is just selective recollection or whether you genuinely are not running at around 50%. I mean, we can, I can, I can get the hand histories from, uh, from the last few tournaments that I played, or if you just want to do it starting now. And I believe me, I would love to be proven wrong about this. Yeah, no, it, it, it would be amazing if, if you so let's say, for example, you were losing 80 to 90% of flips over a decent sample size, then we would have to basically say this game is probably not for you and you should stop playing. Yeah. Which is why I don't play very much, but that one little taste I had. Yeah of the PKO the night before, I'm like, hey, you can win knockouts. Nope, just kidding. Oh, oh for 6 the next day. Because, again, I know I keep coming back to it, but when we did do those Twitch streams, of course there were times when you got unlucky. I would say, though, of the hands we saw, it was reasonably balanced out. You know what was reasonably balanced out? When I was playing for fake money, I ran about where I should have. Okay. And when I was... So it's a gift. You're back in LA. You can now play exclusively <laughs> for play money on PokerStars. Yay! Adventures in online poker. <laughs> uh, let's uh, before we close out this week's show, we have one more important thing to do, and that's hopefully give away some prizes. One of them loves the EPT, knows it inside out, and would do anything for the European Poker Tour. The other one is Joe Stapleton. It's Superfan versus Stakes. So please welcome to the show 
Mr. Simon Morrison. Greetings, Simon. Uh, hello, gentlemen. Great to have you here, Simon. Before we go any further, I must state, full disclosure, we are not giving away any more platinum passes on Superfan versus Dave, so please don't get your hopes up. Uh, damn, you killed me. I thought you were. I'm very <laughs> sorry about that. The usual satellite tickets and swag are back in the mix. Um, we're going to get to know you in a moment, Simon, but as you know, you are participating in a continuing series, which is a series of films that Joe Stapleton needs to watch before he turns 44 years old. The latest film in the series is Some Like It Hot. That's what we're going to be answering questions about. Joe, this is a film that you have now seen for the first time? Some like it hot. Some hated this movie. No, you did this not. This movie was so painful to watch. Uh, the I laughed like maybe twice the whole movie. I found Jack Lemmon's performance in drag to be incredibly unbearable. And I love Jack Lemmon. Like I, I saw, I was like, Oh, Jack Lemmon, Tony Curtis. Like this should be hilarious. This should be really fun. I, it was, oddly violent yet not funny yet and no one's like even trying to make like a believable movie because there's so many ridiculous plot points that make no sense and uh like they're not even playing the instruments it's just it's this movie's really bad congratulations bad simon morrison you have won this week's edition of superfan <laughs> versus that you're objectively wrong you are objectively it wrong it is just not good. Like it's awful. And I will say this: Marilyn Monroe is is a delight, and I can see why she was such a big star. And her scenes, I I I, I like them, and I found her to be kind of funny occasionally. But my, God, I like the ending. Like the last line was kind of funny. What uh, the last line? What is everyone else seeing in this movie that you're not? Why is it so highly regarded? Why does it rank so high in every single poll of movies? The one thing I will give it is that it does like a whole bunch of like, obviously the, the guys are in drag the whole movie and it's, it was made in the sixties and takes place in the 1920s and it's not particularly homophobic. Like I'll give it credit for that. Simon, what was your hot take on some like it hot? I don't think it's aged well. Okay. I can see that. I still think it's a delight. I find it a very enjoyable movie. I'm slightly surprised that you are down on it as much as you are, Joe. I could see you saying, yeah, maybe it hasn't aged particularly well, but to say that you only kind of smirked once, I'm really surprised. I, yeah, I really hated it. Okay. <laughs> um, wow. In which case, let's quickly segue into talking about the life and times of Simon Morrison. What's Yay! your deal, bro? <laughs> Uh, I'm operations director for a security company in central London. Ooh. See, I predicted yeah. that you might be the owner of a popular chain of supermarkets, but no, this... <laughs> Unfortunately not, no. But this sounds equally interesting. Uh, it's busy, put it that way. It's, um, yeah, we do, um, some iconic buildings in London, some of the high-rise, uh, iconic buildings in London. It is, it's interesting. It's pretty hard work. Um, but it's not, it's not super exciting. We don't do anything that clever or special. If there were to be a gigantic heist at one of the buildings uh, in which your security company is placed, would that be a nightmare for you? Uh, pretty much, yeah. Je the recently, there was the guy, the French chap, who climbed up the building. Yeah. Uh, that, that wasn't one of ours, but that's kind of like the, that's the dreaded thing that can happen because you just get blamed for stuff like that. You get blamed. It's not like you can go outside and like push him off. <laughs> you meant to be able to spot him before he gets up there. So that was, yeah, that's kind of like the worst thing that can happen to you. So you must know a lot about CCTVs because that's because that's London's whole thing, right? I I do know a lot about CCTV. Yes, more than I really want to. Yes. What am, What am I doing right now? Have you got anything? <laughs> well, we haven't actually got. We know we haven't put a tracker on you yet, Joe. Well, that's good. That's, well, you know I had to leave the country, so uh, <laughs> good luck. Simon, what is your poker story? How long have you been playing, and how much do you actually get to play? I've been playing, I guess, about 18 years. Um, wow. Sort of started on Stars probably 10 years ago. Um, I used to play a lot. I used to have a big sort of Sunday grind, and um, mainly MTTs. used to have a big Sunday grind, but then I had a kid, and that kind of 
gets in the way quite a bit. So I play, I probably play only sort of two or three tournaments on a Sunday these days. I still play live at the local casino. I've played some UK IPTs in the past. Um, nothing bigger than that. I've been to Vegas 16 times though. Wow. Wow. That's pretty good going. I'm glad that, uh, that Simon said his poker slowed down after he had a kid, because if it hadn't, <laughs> if he's like, I had a kid, didn't change my game at all. Still just <laughs> grinding it out every day. Yeah, no, I was sort of saying to, to the wife, well, actually, you know what, I'm going to disappear now for 10 hours on a Sunday and play poker, and can you look after him was a bit, a bit too, too much. Yeah, that's never going to go down well. You must have had the best baby monitors in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Although he does, he, he is, I am teaching him how to play, and so he does sort of, he's starting to understand stuff. He's only five, but I'm sort of teaching him how to play. I think it's good to teach, you know, it's a great way to teach people maths. Uh, I've got two stepdaughters and I've taught them and I, for me, it's for them. I teach them how to learn how to lose because that's what poker does for you. It does teach you how to learn how to handle losing. And after that, of course, we then have to get into the intricacies of three betting ranges uh, and also, of course, uh, range merging, uh, particularly with the polarizing river bets. I'm sure these are all things which are on the agenda for the next lesson. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. they're into PO solver at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was going to ask. Uh, Simon, we are going to try and give you the opportunity to win some Pokestar swag and a satellite ticket to the PCA because uh, we are still running sat to that big event in 2019. Some like it is the topic. Let's see how much information Joe has retained about a movie that he absolutely hated. There are 10 questions that have been drafted by Patrick, the intern. You can go anywhere on the board you want, Simon. One through 10. Where would you like to start? Uh, well, since it, it'll probably piss Joe off, I'll go to number nine. Joe's lucky number nine. It will only piss me off if it ends up being a question I know the answer to, which you you have a really good shot of doing. I, I'm going to predict that both of you would be able to answer this question without taking the multiple choice options and therefore score the maximum two points. What incriminating evidence does Joe almost forget to remove right before Sugar shows up at the dock? Uh, a pair of earrings. It is a pair of earrings for two points. You knew that one, I would, right, Joe? I, I, I would have known that, You yes. would have known that. Okay, Joe, which number are you going to go for? Let's start with uh, number one. Number one. I mean, I don't know why you've done this. You've gone for a really tough question. What is the name of the... <laughs> Fuck you, my God. <laughs> what is the name of the funeral parlor that Spats Colombo uses as a front for his speakeasy? Mozzarella. Correct, for two points. I'm surprised you Woo! got that one. Uh, Simon, your question. Uh, it's always coming seven. Always coming seven. What's the name of the convention that Spat Colombo and his men attend in the hotel? Friends of Italian... Opera. It is or opera. Italian opera. Oh, and there's extra wow. detail as well, but you don't get any extra points. Joe. Uh, Deuces never Luthes. In which year is the film set? 1929. Correct, for two points, and we have a tied game. Here's the secret. We need to pick specialist subjects that Joe loathes. <laughs> Simon, three, four, five, six, eight, or ten? Four. What instrument does Sugar play in the band? Uh, ukulele. Correct, for two points. No one's taken any options yet. Joe. Just to keep roll on. You want the next chronological question? Yeah. That'll be question three. How is Jerry planning to spend his first paycheck from the speakeasy? Jerry is not Joe. Jerry is Jack Lemon, and his first paycheck is that... Oh, he's going to get uh, a cavity filled. He's going to the dentist, correct, for two points. Wow, you have retained this. Did you watch it like just before recording, by any chance? No, I watched it. Like I landed yesterday at like two in the afternoon, and my girlfriend was coming over at six, and so I had a very short window to watch this movie. So I watched it as soon as I got off the plane. Wow, I'm I, I'm as I'm as surprised as you are, Simon. Uh, questions five, six, eight, and ten still available. Uh, eight. Question number eight. What is the final line of the film? Uh, oh God, I do know this. Well, nobody's perfect. Correct, for two points. I know you would have got that one, Joe, because you just said that you, that's one of the few things you liked. Yeah. Five, six, or ten? Five, please. What is the full name of Daphne's suitor? Full name of Daphne's suitor. I remember his last name. 
I think I'm finally going to have to go with the choices. Okay, is it Oswald Fleming the second, Oscar Fallon the fourth, Osgood Fielding the third, or Osmond Flitting the third? Osgood Fielding the third. Correct for one point. So, going into the final round, you have a one point advantage, Simon. You can take question six or question ten. Oh, okay, we'll go for ten. Which actor actually says the line, some like it hot? I need to take the choices, I don't know. Is it Jack Lemon, Tony Curtis, Marilyn Monroe, or George Raft? George Raft. It was Tony Curtis when he's impersonating Shell Oil Jr. Well, some like it hot, I guess. So that was an even worse um, Cary Grant impersonation than... Uh, is that what he's doing? Yeah, that... he's doing Cary Grant. Oh, my God. It's like a weird Australian accent. Well, next week, Joe, you're going to get to watch North by Northwest, and you'll actually hear Cary Grant sounding just like Tony Curtis in Some Like It Hot. Anywho, oh question six is your question, Joe. And if you can get this without the options, you win the game. If you can get this with the options, it's a tied game. What engagement present does Daphne Souter give her? I'll take the choices. Is it a gold necklace, a silver ring, a diamond bracelet, or designer shoes? I was going to say a pearl necklace, but uh, a diamond bracelet. It is a diamond bracelet for one point, <laughs> and we have a tied game. Okay, here's how it is going to work. I have a number in front of me, and whoever guesses closest to the number is going to win. Joe, please isolate a private chat to me on Skype. Please make sure it's not the same Skype window that Simon's in. Yeah. Okay. So there is a scene in the film where Marilyn Monroe has to say a simple line. It's me, sugar. How many takes did Marilyn Monroe need to get this right? Joe, please type your answer into the chat. And once I have that, I'll ask Simon to answer the question. How many takes did Marilyn Monroe need to say the simple line, it's me, sugar? Okay, I have... Joe's answer. Simon, what are you going to go for? <laughs> 59. 59. I can tell you that you were closer than Joe who went for one. The actual answer is 47. Apparently, 47 takes? Here is the hashtag fun fact from Patrick via IMDb, no doubt. She kept saying things like, sugar, it's me, or it's sugar. Billy Wilder got so frustrated, he eventually wrote the line on a blackboard for her. You know, there was a couple of times in this movie I saw people look off camera and I wondered if they were looking at cue cards. And that may well have been happening. Uh, the net result is nine points to Simon Morrison, our superfan. Eight points to Joe Stapleton. It was close. It went to the tie break. But Simon, it doesn't matter. A win is a win. We're going to ship you some PokerStars merch and we will give you a PCA satellite ticket pronto. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Thank you very much for coming on the show. I decided I hated this movie so much that I was going to try my hardest to beat you. <laughs> <laughs> I listen to this show all the time, and Joe, you are terrible at this quiz. What the happened? <laughs> I don't know. Like, it was just a, I think Patrick finally made, like, a reasonable quiz, is honestly my, is, is my, is my, uh, my theory. Uh, Simon, I'm glad you won. I'm glad we'll ship you some prizes, and thank you for taking the time to talk to us on the show. No, thanks. Cheers. Have a good day, guys. You too, buddy. See you later. All right, guys. We are almost out of time for this week's show. I'm still working on that big guest. In fact, uh, I'm going to message him right now. Well, the other person we talked about is potentially one of the finalists from the PCA 2018 main event because... We need to catch up with the TV shows. We've had the kind of last couple of episodes in the last few weeks. The final table is next week. So I think we should do a summary of that TV series as well. Okay, yeah. So I I've been trying to get Sean Buchanan. Look, if anybody knows him in real life and wants to tell him, hey, reply to Stapes on Twitter or on Facebook, uh, I would love to talk to Sean Buchanan. I think that Maria Lampropoulou probably struggles a little bit too much with English to do a full 20 minute interview with us. Otherwise we would love to talk to her as well. Um, but yeah, we're, I guess how many more shows do we have before a little Christmas Bahamas break? 
But I'm saying this. Oh, how many more podcasts? Two more. Yeah, two more. All right. So I'm going to message this, our special guest right now because unless I'm thinking about it, I forget. And I'll just give him a little poke and just say, hey, man, you said you were in. Maybe we can get you. Uh, and we may have to pre-record it with him. Anyway, I'm doing planning on the air. We shouldn't be doing that. Next week, we're going to recap the rest of the PCA main yep. event shows all the way through the final table. Hopefully, we'll get to talk to Sean Buchanan because uh, I feel like that guy doesn't get enough media, but maybe he doesn't like it. What am I watching next week, North by Northwest? Yes, so this is the Hitchcock movie made the same year as Some Like It Hot, but this film's in color. And it's not a comedy per se, but there's plenty of humor in it. I can't remember if I've seen it or not. So I'm looking forward to this one. I've seen, you know, by the way, Some Like It Hot is the first Marilyn Monroe movie I've ever seen. Wow. Well, at least we've achieved something. Yeah. Uh, and North by Northwest, unfortunately, I already have a bad taste in my mouth about this because of uh, Kim and Kanye's kid being named Northwest. I mean, would I really think there's nothing... There's no, there's no relation at all. That's what I think of when I see this, North by Northwest. I think, oh, right, that child. I believe it's a Shakespeare quote. A.K.A. Damien. I am not <laughs> mad, North by Northwest. Oh, interesting. Well, looking forward to that. Uh, for now, guys, give us some... Uh, let's finish the year strong, if, if we can here, with some uh, love on the various platforms where you can download us. Give us some love on iTunes, on Stitcher, on uh, SoundCloud. Give us some likes, subscribe, comment. Why don't you, as a Christmas present, buy them a gift subscription to the Poker in the Ears podcast? It's free. You just have to break into their computer or their phone. <laughs> and uh, next time a friend leaves their phone open, instead of taking a picture of your junk and putting it as their background, uh, <laughs> subscribe Subscribe to Poker in the Ears, and that would be a great Christmas present for us. We gave away three platinum passes. The least you can do is not take a picture of your dick for once or your vagina and, and subscribe to this show instead. Okay, I subscribe love to the, the fact show. that you have just drawn a parallel between subscribing to this podcast and taking a clandestine photograph of your genitalia. It's like, please don't do that. Subscribe to our podcast instead when you've got that spare five minutes with your phone. Exactly. Do that, guys. For now, that is all the time we've got for this week's show. For James Hardigan, I am Joe Stapleton. Smell you later. Smell you later.